Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Sorry for the uh, late upload of this episode. It has been a bonkers weekend that then turned into a bonkers beginning of the week, and it all... It all leads to something. I just can't announce it on this episode. I'll probably be able to announce it on the next episode, but I don't want anyone to worry. My my first care in the world is this podcast. So uh, a day or two late uh, on one episode is is not going to be a regular thing, although it will happen occasionally when life gets in the way. Um, but in the meantime, I was cleaning my closet out, which... <laughs> it might seem like a joke, but I, I have a big closet in my room, and, and unfortunately just a lot of stuff got pushed in there. Um, a, a neat mess, if you will. And out of the two things I found, I found old SpongeBob books um, that I got apparently when I was 11 years old. So these must have come out at least at the end of 2001, or I got these in 2002. Um, but they're two of the first books that they made of SpongeBob for Simon and Schuster, Simon, Simon, Simon and Schuster uh, books here. Uh, there's the SpongeBob SquarePants trivia book and the SpongeBob SquarePants joke book. They're two fairly similar uh, books here. I'm going to put a picture of these two up on our Instagram page. Uh, if you go to Instagram at SpongeBob podcast, you'll find us there. Uh, but I'm looking through these things, and the trivia book excited me at first. I was like, I haven't seen this in, in more than a decade, and I wonder if there's anything like worth mentioning on the podcast in here, and i got to be honest with you, 99% of this thing is not, not really... I, it's trivia in the sense that it's like teaching you about the show. So, for example, the... Um, the first few pages are like SpongeBob explaining who Patrick is, who Sandy is. Uh, he's showing you around Bikini Bottom. So he shows off the Krusty Krab and shows off Squidward. It goes over the bubble blowing technique. Uh, it goes over, uh, you know, b different kinds of bubbles you can make. Uh, he talks about his love for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. There's a boating school quiz. So there's not really like trivia about the show there is in the back they do like pretty much one of the last pages is uh let me pull this up 
the last page is is singing along with the lyrics of the show. Uh, but the last part goes over like, hey, here's some trivia from the surface world. SpongeBob SquarePants series creator Steven Hillenburg has a degree in marine biology as well as experimental animation. SpongeBob was originally named SpongeBoy, but someone was already using that name, so the Y became a B. Ernest Borgnine and Tim Conway provide the voices of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. This is the first time the two have worked together since Mikhail's Navy. That's some trivia for you. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a cute little book. Uh, it's, it's, you can see it's like early on from the show. The one thing I wanted to bring up, though, is it's, they actually give you the menu for the Krusty Krab. Um, remember, at the Krusty Krab, you are the captain. So the sandwiches are a Krabby Patty for $2, a double Krabby Patty with the works for two fifty. And the crusty crumb, the crusty combo, the Krabby Patty fries, and a medium drink for three ninety nine. Uh, you can also get the crusty deluxe, which is uh, a double Krabby Patty with the works and oyster skins for three dollars. It's not terrible. Uh, the Cry and Johnny Krabby Patty with extra onions is two twenty five. The uh, Bubble Bass Special Krabby Patty, hold the pickles under your tongue. $1.99. The Minnow Meal, which is a sea nut butter and jellyfish jelly sandwich, fries, and a small drink is $1.75. And these are your options for sides. Oyster skins for $0.50, cents, fries for $1.25, seaweed salad for $1.50, coral bits for $1.95. For your drinks, you can get a salty shake for $0.99 cents or a Dr. Kelp or Diet Dr. Kelp for $0.89. Cents. And don't forget, every Tuesday is Mouthful of Clams Day. Everyone who shows up with a mouthful of clams gets a free drink. And then in big letters. The the I gotta say, I'll give this credit. This book has a lot of a lot of references to the show, like little moments like that. Um, but the one thing they got wrong is this giant wording on the bottom that says money back guarantee. Uh yeah, that should have been very small, small words there. The joke book, on the other hand, is a lot of really corny SpongeBob jokes. You know, where do fish like to go on vacation? Finland. Which sea creature makes the best sandwiches? The peanut butter and jellyfish. Ha <laughs> ha. Which sea will make you go ape? The chimpanzee. Oh my god. Uh, it's a lot of this. It's like a lot of characters. Um,. This one's, what do you get when you cross a squid and a pig? An oinktopus. Oh, my goodness. Who robs banks and shoots ink? Billy the squid. This is, this is like the perfect joke book to give a kid to annoy his parents. What, what has two seats and sticks to underwater rocks? A barnacle built for two. How does SpongeBob learn about new, new parts of the ocean? He lets it all soak in. What does what do his friends sing on SpongeBob's birthday? For he's a jolly good yellow. That one's terrible. That one's the worst one. What did the cor why did the coral stand on its head? He wanted to turn over a new reef. This is incredible. This is great. I, I mean there's some there's some probably there's some gems in here. Maybe I've already read some that you're you're enjoying. Why did the ocean take the afternoon off? He wanted to play golf. 
All right, that's a good one. But anyway, yeah, that was those are those are really two two early SpongeBob books. It shows on the back. It shouldn't like it advertises other Nickelodeon books you can purchase. Not maybe not in the joke one. What's crazy is on the inside of the flaps. I wrote my name, and I wrote age eleven, room three hundred five. So I'm trying to think if this was middle school that I purchased these, or if that was. It had to no. Maybe I was in. Maybe I was in elementary school. Uh, but yeah, on the back it shows uh, that they had SpongeBob chapter books too as well. Uh, so there's one advertised in the back of the trivia book for Hall Monitor. So they think they took the episode and made chapter books out of it. But yeah, so I mean this is I, this was really cool. I'm glad I still have these. I really don't throw anything out that um, that is SpongeBob related. Like I have a bunch of Nick magazines and a bunch of, you know, like anytime SpongeBob was on the cover of TV Guide or anything like that that felt special, I purchased those. Um, so I, I, I know that I knew that stuff like this I still had somewhere. But if you were to ask me before I went through my closet, like, Hey, do you know where this trivia and joke book are? I, I, there's like three places this could have been buried. So I'm glad I unearthed those. Um, for all my video game uh, uh, f- friends out there who enjoy playing, I've, I've played a few games this week. I just want to give some quick like reviews. Uh, for Avengers, I have enjoyed it thus far. But if you're someone who, who might just want to play the campaign not worry about anything multiplayer related or anything post launch. I would honestly wait for a price drop. Um, Avengers has been really fun, but I I gotta say, like it, it's it's fun because I know this is a game I can play for a long period of time because there's so much content. Uh, but I but I feel like if you're just there to go through the campaign, I think that itself might be a bit of a letdown. But I don't know how much. I've enjoyed it thus far. I haven't finished the campaign. I take my time with video games. If it's something I can beat in one day, doesn't mean I will beat it in one day. Um, other than that, though, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 is absolutely fantastic. And and maybe it's because of the nostalgia, but it took me away from Avengers. I was playing Avengers for a few days, and the second I got Tony Hawk, I was like, uh, this is fantastic. And I, I had to realize with getting old i've become a bit more cynical in my day and uh and man it took me so in the last year especially when the when the pandemic this year first hit i was playing some old school games so i played through tony hawk's pro skater three four uh and then underground and underground 2 is my undisputed favorite of the entire series so i've i've played the i've played the old games i know how they should feel and I know that games that came later in the series kind of were... I know when I tried playing like Project 8 and Proving Ground, there was just something off. And then Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD felt better, but there was still something off about it. You know, there's there's something specific. It's hard to explain unless you've, you've played it. If you've played those original Tony Hawk games and then you'd play something like Pro Skater HD, you'd be able to tell that there was something off. It's like Sonic... The Hedgehog. Uh, the first three games on the Genesis, there's a very specific physics system. And every time they tried to replicate that, it it was off. And then here comes Sonic Mania, which perfectly replicates that physics system. So here comes Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD, which doesn't get it right. It was good. It was a good distraction. And then Pro Skater 5 was just absolutely abysmal. 
Um, I mean, hey, look, if you worked on that game and you put your put your all into it and you put passion behind it, great. But that game was just an absolute face plant the second it came out. Uh, but then here comes Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, and I knew going into it that they had said they found the original code from Neversoft or they built it off of it. I knew that there was a lot of care going into this. And for those that don't know, a little bit of Tony Hawk Pro Skater trivia here, Vicarious Visions who made the Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake, who made the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy remakes. They've been a part of the Tony Hawk series almost since the beginning because they were the developers tasked to port every Pro Skater onto handheld systems. So, man, that's that's a crazy turnaround there. You're eventually making the new mainline series. But So for the first like 5-10 minutes, I was playing Pro Skater 1 and 2. I was trying to see how well it it replicated, and for the first five or ten minutes, I was going like, "No, this this is slightly off. This is better than than Pro Skater HD, but it's not it's not as much as I remembered it." And literally, at some point, five or ten minutes in, I realized, "I nope, I'm just older," and. I because I was looking for it so much, I couldn't just sit back and relax and realize that it was very much almost a one to one make of of the physics system I originally fell in love with. So I I can't especially at forty dollars, I can't recommend that enough to anybody, whether or not you've loved the series, liked the series or you've never played a Tony Hawk game. I highly recommend that Avengers. Like I said, if you're more if you like doing stuff beyond the campaign get it now if you only want to play the campaign and that's the only thing that interests you i would hold off for a big price drop uh, and those have been two two of the biggest games i played in the last week so this has been uh this has been great but anyway spongebob related uh, we're not going to take a break today because i don't have a guest and i i kind of just want to get this in one shot so obviously if you're listening at the, to this point uh, I began the podcast with my uh, with my anchor ad. Usually it goes kind of in the middle before starting an episode. But you know what? You guys have, have sat through enough of that. If you have, I'm giving you a break on this episode. <laughs> it's at the beginning that you probably skipped. And then uh, we're going to go right into Karate Choppers. Karate Choppers is the 14th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. It is the second part to that. Um, the first part was, of course, SB129. So along with that episode, Karate Choppers debuted December 31st, 1999. Uh, for those that didn't maybe listen to the SB129 episode, uh, the reason this aired so late in the year uh, was actually because of its its sister episode. Um, on December 31st, because the, the new year coming up, the new millennium, Nickelodeon had a had a, a whole marathon of shows that were kind of futuristic or I guess had to do with, you know, weird stuff. And there was all the the 2K bug, the Y2K. Uh, go look it up if you're young and you've never heard about the hysteria that was going on in 1999 about the year 2000. Definitely look into that. Um, so. Uh, so because of SB129, this also aired December 31st, 1999. So if you have your episode ready, of course, we're going to start right at the beginning of the title card. Uh, you can play that now. So let me mute the computer. We don't want that sound coming through. So first and foremost, I respect karate. Um, I have never I've never done it. I've never I was never a part of it, even as a kid. Um 
I certainly don't uh, look down on it. It is an art form. And of course, Sandy and SpongeBob take this love of karate to an entirely new level. So this first joke I want to mention with SpongeBob coming into his house, he's slowly walking and you start hearing some quacks. And then eventually it's, the camera's pulled out and you see that he is stepping on a bunch of like toy rubber ducks. Well, for those that don't know, uh, stepping on a duck is a euphemism for farting. So if you fart and you say, oh, stepped on a duck, like that's supposed to be the joke. Uh, <laughs> I've used that. I used to be a teacher. And if as a teacher for young kids, uh, farting comes up, you know, kids think it's funny it, and it is funny. They're not wrong. Um, but instead of as an adult in the room, you don't you know, you want to just kind of watch the language you're saying. So um, there are some families out there who might not use the word fart. You know, that might be a, a bit of a more mature word than they'd want their kids to use. So you you don't want to, like, mention the word fart. Uh, so you just want to use, you know, and that's not anything that anybody tells you to do when you're a teacher of young kids. You just want to um, police yourself almost. So that's what I used to say. It sounds like somebody stepped on a duck and, and that would get a laugh regardless. But at least it's it's just a kind of a cute euphemism, euphemism for it. So, um now, so usually SpongeBob has, he is, with everything he's into, he's incredibly gifted. Uh, he, he is an incredibly gifted fry cook. He's incredibly gifted at jellyfishing. And karate for SpongeBob is no less. So this is one thing that he's kind of on par with on Sandy. He was able to stop her in the beginning. Um, I mean, SpongeBob has the ability to karate chop through the, the phone, apparently, um, and is even got Sandy, you know, worried here about in, in the grocery store. So the fact that Sandy is even concerned to show me that SpongeBob has has really excelled, has really excelled karate technique. Um, he's able to just one up Sandy at all points of this beginning part. Uh, man, I see the headgear. I've seen it before in certain videos online of karate uh, get-togethers and whatnot or events and and you'll see the protective headgear i think it's funny that spongebob in this in this moment up to the cans was just wearing the headgear with, with without wearing his gloves he was just walking around with that uh, and of course sandy with no uh with no headgear because of her glass dome but anyway so like i would watch uh these karate you know events i'd see him and uh and yeah like that just reminds me of exactly what they would kind of wear um so the hot sauce drop here. That is, in fact, Tom Kenny, who plays the uh, the, vol the volcano sauce here. Um, if you listen to the DVD commentary of of the first season, Tom explains that the uh, that it was shot at a Nickelodeon restroom. So they put red makeup all over his face. They shoot this scene of of him really up close talking to SpongeBob. Um, but he also had an audition later that day and the red makeup did not completely come off in time of the of the audition think about that for a second <laughs> imagine this guy walking into the room and legitimately having like a red face completely yeah i wonder you know though that might be a good thing because if you walk in and they see that you're that committed to your to your work as an artist that you're willing to put that kind of red makeup on. And then of course you're, they have to know he's the voice of SpongeBob. So 
um, or maybe not. Maybe while they were, this is the first season, so while he was recording this and making it, maybe uh, maybe it wasn't even on TV yet. Uh, that's actually a very big possibility. So here we, you know, so we have Sandy here who seemingly wound up SpongeBob, but SpongeBob is just now letting this karate back and forth take over his personal life. And I forgot to mention it happened while I was talking and I was going to laugh. But when when SpongeBob karate chops Squidward and he makes his forehead look like a butt, uh, it's one of the my favorite visual gags of this entire series. And I know that there's episodes I haven't seen, but I just there's no way that they're going to have any sort of physical gag that is funnier than that. And of course, Squidward wearing a, uh, a headpiece of of Krabby Patties. I don't think we've ever seen Squidward mop in this. I, he he did in culture shock to one up SpongeBob, but like at work, I don't think I've ever seen him mop unless I'm just really not paying attention to what Squidward is doing. And of course, uh, so in this regard, I think Sandy, even though SpongeBob has been able to um, one up her at times, the fact that he is this concerned to me is going to give a big plus up to Sandy. If she's she's basically in his head 24/7. He can't function without th- thinking that she's going to come out of nowhere and attack, which of course here she is. But Sandy seems to have more boundaries than SpongeBob does. He has interrupted her. Now, she did attack him when he was at home. I get that. But SpongeBob attacked her while it was clearly nighttime through the phone and then also attacked her while she was grocery shopping. So um, Sandy, as far as I've seen, seems to have a bit more patience with playing karate with SpongeBob. Um, But here we are. The first time we are seeing SpongeBob being fired from the Krusty Krab. Uh, Of course, it does not happen often, but... um, there, of course, we have SpongeBob's crying face, which this is what's crazy to me on the uh, SpongeBob Encyclopedia website, Encyclopedia SpongeBobia. I, I do get a lot of um, the condensed information here uh, through them, and I you know, appreciate all the fans who helped build that site. But that face SpongeBob made was actually on the cover of a DVD. Uh, let me try to see which where it's from I don't know which it's definitely not American it's not an American DVD but if you go there they show this DVD cover for uh, season 6 volume 2 that uses that Spongebob crying face like when he instantly starts crying and his face like pops out um it it just it's just so bizarre to see a clip from a season one episode as a picture for season six, uh, the season six DVD. That I don't know. That's just uh, that's funny to me. So as I'm looking, uh, I'm looking at some of the information here. Meriwether Williams, who we mentioned was a writer, this was actually her first episode that she wrote on uh, and stayed with the show until uh, Pranks a Lot, which I believe is a season three episode. Uh, so she was there for, you know, a couple seasons of the show right there in its golden age. Uh, so here we have, uh, you know, SpongeBob making this silly face. 
I, uh, my best friend Alex, who has been on the, the show before, actually had a T-shirt. I think his first SpongeBob T-shirt in the sixth grade had that SpongeBob on the uh, on the front of the shirt. So we have Sandy and SpongeBob trying to just function normally with <laughs> with this karate withdrawal, which I know it's it's built up more funny for the show that they just like they can't even go have a picnic without wanting to break out in karate. But I, you know, I you don't usually see SpongeBob this obsessed with uh, with something that he's he's not able to function outside of doing it. Like it's not like he comes home after a long day at the Krusty Krab and just feels the need. I have to be a fry cook, or you know, I I have to jellyfish. Um, you know what? But maybe it comes from a psychological standpoint, where when you Think about this. Let's say you have a box in your house, a very small box, like something you would hold jewelry in, and you don't want visitors touching that box. Like, you just don't want it to happen. It would be worse for you to say, don't do it. Like, if somebody comes over and you go, hey, this box all the way up here under my bed, don't touch this. Like, now you're putting the box, its location in your head, in the other person's head, and now they're thinking about doing it just like curiosity why do why don't they want me to touch that box but if it's a box under your bed and you just don't even mention that it's there you don't have to worry about it so maybe the point here is the fact of of mr krabs telling them hey don't do this ever he's like putting a rule on him like he could should just say no no karate at work like don't do this at the crusty crab but just on the fact that he's saying don't do this ever is what's making them want to do it. Uh, and, of course, Sandy doesn't have to listen to Mr. Krabs. But, you know, she's she doesn't also want to get SpongeBob in trouble. Which, of course, after seeing their work, which, man, they either they brought more food than I anticipated or several times Sandy and SpongeBob left of the park to go back to bargain mart to get more supplies to just more karate chop more burgers um which you know hey look mr krabs i i like also that <laughs> all the way from culture shock mr krabs was looking for more gimmicks to kind of help make money re- you know to bring up revenue with the crusty crab and here we are having him find spongebob and sandy's technique to like hey there's a karate day you know come get your Krabby Patties hand cut by karate experts or something. I, I don't know what other reason people would would be in there for other than food and a show. So maybe it's advertised as such like a, a karate hibachi of the Krusty Krab. That's a cool idea. I've never seen I've been to a few hibachi restaurants. I've never seen anyone uh, do karate at, with their hands. I've seen them do weird stuff with the with their skillets and the and their you know, spatulas and all that stuff. But anyway, that was Karate Choppers. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's a it's a completely fine episode of of SpongeBob. Um, it has some jokes in there I really like. The visual gags with Squidward uh, the first time with the Krusty Krab. Uh, I think the hot sauce bit is super funny, and I think there are some memeable moments in this episode. But it's certainly maybe middle ground for me in in the in the for the season 
Uh, I am certainly at the end of the uh, the run of the first season. I do plan on making a list of, of, hey, here are my favorite episodes in order from best to worst of the first season. And let me just preface by saying whatever's on the worst end is still uh, like really good. Um, but we will have to do that in order. And then I'll take the top 10, probably make an episode out of that to just go over the top 10 and, and why they are where they are. But uh, I, I feel like by the end, when I get to that point of kind of putting the episodes in, in my specific order, I feel like Karate Choppers will will kind of be in the middle there. Uh, but it, it's certainly a fine episode. So that is it for this week's episode. Thank you for all of the fans out there for uh, following the show on all the social media, finding us on YouTube. I read all of the comments. I respond to any comments you guys send me, uh, any questions, concerns, any ideas for the show. Everything is welcome. Uh, please share however you can, support the show however you can, and we'll see you here next week. Ah!